You can turn, if you would, to uh, the book of Joshua. Joshua, chapter number 1. Joshua, chapter number 1. Brother Don to get me some water, so he he brought me two bottles, so he must be expecting a long one this morning. But uh, but like Henry VIII said to his 13th wife, I'll not keep you long. (laughs) I'll try not to anyway. Joshua chapter number one is where we're going to look for our text this morning. So good to be here. Always look forward to coming and being with you good folks at Pryor, and uh, one reason I like it, because I don't have to leave home till 9 o'clock, and uh, I get an extra hour, hour or two of sleep, and uh, when I go to Tahlequah, I've got to leave home at 6 o'clock to get there, because I'm an hour and a half away, so uh, I always look forward to that, that, uh, that drive starting at 9 o'clock instead of 6 o'clock, but uh, anyway, always good to be here. They, I was looking back, I think it's been about Almost three months. I think I was here in, right in February, right after the. Well, as a matter of fact, there was still there was still slush on the parking lot. It was kind of freezing back. I know it was that so about about two and a half, three months ago when I was here last time. So uh, uh, I think Brother Rob has me. He has me come about once every two or three months, just 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 often enough to make you appreciate him real good. And uh, but anyway, y'all must be gluttons for punishment because you keep smiling. So uh, if you're not halfway enjoying it, you're the biggest bunch of hypocrites I've ever seen. But. Uh, This morning, I want us to receive a challenge to have the courageous Christian walk. And Joshua chapter number 1, verse number 7 is where we're going to look at our text this morning. It says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Speaking of the courageous Christian walk, what does it mean to be courageous? Well, it speaks not necessarily of physical strength, but of course of strength of the heart. It speaks about the individual who is solid and not easily dissuaded from doing that which is right. And when I was pastoring uh, full time, my goal as a pastor was to, to be able to teach and to train every church member from the Word of God to the degree that they cannot be moved from their solid biblical foundation of truth. We live in a day in which many times so many Christians are so shallow. It doesn't seem like they've allowed the Lord to help them to grow and to the point where that just any little wind of doctrine that comes along, many times they're led astray and they fall for uh, false doctrines and things like that. And I, I want us to be Christians that are strong enough in the Word of God that we're going to be grounded in our biblical faith and that nothing is uh, that is not... Uh, according to the Word of God, is uh, going to dissuade us or persuade us to follow it instead of following the Word of God. And uh, my dad went home to be with the Lord back in uh, 1994, so he's been gone a long time. My dad was a pastor uh, all of my uh, life to that point, and uh, almost 50 years that he was a pastor. And so uh, I heard him all the time as my pastor would preach. And, uh, you know, my dad, uh, he was always proud of me. And I remember one time he was... uh, he was out playing golf with somebody, and my two older brothers, they surrendered to preach a long time before I did. And uh, he was out on the golf course, and they sometimes they'll put you with somebody that uh, 
if you're just by yourself, they'll put you with somebody else to play with them so that uh, you, you know, more people can play and, and uh, work through more efficiently, you know. And so they stuck it with somebody that he didn't know. And so they got to talking about what he did for a living and everything. And he talked about his kids. And uh, one of those, the guy he was playing golf with asked him as well, said, well, are you disappointed that your youngest son uh, did not uh, follow your footsteps as being a, a, a minister too? And uh, he said, well, no, not really. He said, he's still... He's still serving the Lord. He's got his music. He, he's active in church with his music and things like that. So I'm not disappointed in, all, in that at all. So I just want him to do what God wants him to do. And uh, down the road, as a matter of fact, it was after my dad had done went home to be with the Lord before the Lord actually did uh, call me to preach. And uh, so uh, I did carry that on just down the road a little ways. But uh, one of the, the greatest things I believe I ever heard my dad say about me, and uh, he was up preaching one day, and he was, uh, he was talking about how that we as parents, we want to try to train our kids and to, to teach them to the point that when we're gone someday, they will still carry on the truth and they'll still uh, stay true to God's word in the ways that we've had them trained. And, and uh, he, he was going through all of us kids, you know, and, and, uh, he, and I remember when he got to me, he said, I don't have to worry about Mike, that he's as solid as the rock of Gibraltar. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm not near as solid as he thought I was. Uh, I, I mean, I've wavered and I've failed many times, but I'm sure thankful that, uh, that there was something about me that he saw uh, that uh, he realized that uh, he, had, he, had, he had put that, that, uh, that fear of God and that respect for the Word of God in my heart enough that he knew that at least in my heart I wanted uh, to be true to God and I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And, um, you know, believers who walk courageously in Christ, they're not shaken by the winds of adversity. Sometimes people uh, go through hard times down here in this world, and, and sometimes when they go through those hard times, they say it'll either make you bitter or better. And sometimes people see those hard times come, and instead of getting closer to God, many times it causes them to get away from the Lord. But I want us to get grounded in the Word of God and be to the place that when, when the winds of adversity come, it doesn't cause us at all to waver in our faith, but more uh, to cling more closely to Him. Uh, you know, sometimes... Uh, the winds of adversity come though upon the strong Christian, the courageous Christian. And whenever they find themselves in uncertain circumstances, they're confident in God's leadership in their lives. And they're like the scripture says, trees planted by the rivers of waters and they're strong and they, they've got well grounded with roots that go deep. And uh, I, I want to be that kind of a Christian. And so first of all, this morning, I want you to uh, think about the foundation for that courageous Christian walk, the foundation for a courageous Christian walk. Number one, our relationship to the Lord. Now, I know this may seem elementary to those of us that uh, have been saved for a while and maybe not even uh, seem like we ought to take a lot of time with it, but I do believe that many people attempt to live the Christian life without ever truly having a relationship with Him. I mean, you can go through the motions, you can turn over a new leaf, there's all kinds of things you can try to do to better your life, but if you really want a change to take place in your life that's going to last, and if you want to be able to truly live the courageous Christian life, then you're going to have to begin it with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you'd be surprised sometimes some folks that have maybe been putting on the persona of a Christian for years, that maybe sometime down the road, they realize that I've truly never been born again, and they come to the Lord and receive Him for salvation. And uh, my own mother, <clears throat> my mother is 90, she's 92 now in the nursing home in Perry, 
But uh, she was a pastor's wife. Again, my dad was a pastor all my life up to the point he passed away. And, and so almost 50 years, my mom was uh, a pastor's wife. And, and uh, my dad pastored the church there in Perry uh, where, we, uh, where I grew up. He, he pastored there for 24 years. And then uh, my brother pastored that church for 22 years before he passed away. And so my mom has been in, uh, there in, in Perry in that church since 1970. And uh, she'd been there for all those years, been a pastor. She's very highly respected. Everybody thought the world of her. And I was pastoring in Colorado at the time, back a few years ago. I guess it was, she would have been in her late 70s, I guess. And uh, I was pastoring in Colorado. I'll never forget. I got home from church up there in Colorado, and uh, and the phone rang. It was my mom. And uh, my mom said, well, I just wanted to tell you the good news. And uh, she said, said, I got saved this morning. And, uh, you know, she said, she said, I've gone through this. I've, it, it's been bothering for years. For years, I have struggled with this. And she said, I really just truly felt like there was something not right. And she said, for years, I've said, well, Lord, I can't go up there and, and say that I'm getting saved. I mean, all these people, I've been their pastor's wife for all these years, and people have looked up to me and said, what are the, what's everybody going to think? But she said it always bothered her because she remembered when she made the profession of faith as a child, she was in a revival meeting with her and her sister's. And uh, she said her aunt just came by that night during the invitation. Her aunt came by and just looked at the girls and said, don't y'all want to go get saved? And they just all together followed each other and just went and went through the motions. But she said, I truly did not even know what I was doing. Said there was no conviction there. And said, I was just doing what seemed like everybody else was doing. And said, it bothered me. And it's bothered me all these years. That She said, as she said in the service that morning, that I remember there was a, a missionary to Mexico was up preaching that day. And uh, I've known him nearly all my life, a man named Michael Combs. And uh, he was preaching that morning, and my mom said the Holy Spirit just convicted her heart so strong. And the Holy Spirit told her, said, if you do not go down this morning, you'll never have another chance. And I believe that God calls, and God uh, calls us to repentance, and he deals with us, and he gets to a place, if we've rejected him enough, that he'll finally just say, okay, I'm going to quit calling. I'm going to quit calling. I'm not going to call you to repentance anymore. I've, I've tried enough times that you're just going to go, go into eternity in that condition. And you say, well, how do I know? How do I know if I've reached that place? Well, if you still feel like you need to be saved, you haven't reached that place. Because anybody that's still got a desire to be saved can be saved. I'm sure thankful uh, that my mom walked that aisle that day and accepted the Lord as her Savior and... and um, the nurses have told my sisters there that uh, they don't feel like she's going to live much longer and that during the COVID lockdown, she really went downhill mentally and, uh, and uh, she just, without having daily contact with family and, and everything and visitors, they said just her, uh, her cognitive abilities have really declined. She's, she was up when a year ago. She was able to walk, get up and walk to the bathroom and make, walk up and down the hall just a little bit, but now she's bedfast and... Uh, Think she knows what you're saying. She can't always get her words together and say the right things. But uh, I'm sure thankful that that uh, I know where she's headed one of these days. The Lord calls her home that uh, I know I'm going to get to see her again because I know that she made things right. But, you know, even someone like my mother that, I, I mean, until she told me that day on the phone, I would have never dreamed that my mother was not saved. Because, I mean, she was, to me, was just the almost perfect example of, of a good godly mother and a good godly pastor's wife, a good godly Christian. I would have never known that if she had not told me that day that she called, when she called and said she got saved. But, you know, 
as good as she was as a mother and as good as a pastor's wife as she was, that's not enough to get her to heaven. She could not walk the courageous Christian walk when she wasn't saved. There was something also that we noticed uh, with my mother. And uh, after my, she was just, you know, she was in her, I guess, mid 60s when my dad um, passed away. <clears throat> and um, of course, my dad was, again, had been a pastor for years. So they just did everything together. They went everywhere together and they were always together. And, and just, um, she was never really by herself, hardly ever um, that much, other than just for some little bit when my dad would go run some errands or something. But after my dad passed away, she became scared to be by herself. And, and I mean, there for a, for a while after my dad passed away, some of us kids would take turns spending the night at her house just so she wasn't by herself. But, you know, I noticed that she never was bothered with that again once she accepted the Lord as her Savior. And once she had him living down inside of her, that she never did have that fear. And the reason she, she even talked about it later. She said, I think the reason why I was always so scared to stay by myself, because I knew I wasn't saved. And I, did, and it, but I was afraid to be here by myself, because what if the rapture took place that I wouldn't even realize that it had taken place because I was here by myself anyway. But since that time, she's had a, she's had a, a courage that she didn't have before because she now knows the Lord. And you might be here today that you think you're a Christian or you, you feel like you're, you need to know that you know that you know you're a Christian. You need to know that you have a relationship with him. And you, you, can, you can try to live that Christian life. You can try to walk that Christian walk. And even though we all fail, but you're not going to be able to do it for sure unless you have the Lord Jesus Christ down on the inside. If the walk's going to be right, then it has to begin right. And that is with a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our relationship to the Lord, number two, our relationship to the Word. You see, the Bible is the Word of God. And the Bible serves as a believer's, it serves as a roadmap, as a compass to help us to chart a successful course through this life. And without the Word, we would be like travelers on a journey with no direction at all. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I've been in a few places in my life where where I absolutely did not know where I was at. And uh, we got GPS now. Of course, you got a lot of places around here that don't even have any signal. But uh, but I'm, I remember back in the days before GPS, man, there's places you get turned around and you absolutely didn't know where you was at. And uh, my dad always said he hated Dallas. And if you know much about Dallas, I mean, the streets in Dallas go every which way. You, you just uh, They don't all run north and south or east or west. They go with, My dad said Dallas was the only place he ever, ever went to. They drove that he, he believed he could see his own taillights in front of him. But uh, I don't know about that, but I tell you, there's some places down here I've been that uh, I felt lost. You know what? That's how it is in the Christian walk. If you're trying to walk the Christian walk and you don't have the word of God, you're not really hiding it in your heart. The Bible says hide the word in your heart. And uh, that's what you need to do. The Bible is our light that illuminates the path that we take. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Can you imagine walking down an unknown path without a light to show the way? I mean, our walk would be slow. It would be very uncertain. And uh, the older I get, the more I am careful uh, when I'm walking somewhere that I don't know uh, exactly where where I'm at and... Uh, Boy, it sure is nice to have a to have a light shining away, isn't it? Well, that's how it is with the Word of God. When you don't for sure know where you're going, don't know where you're headed uh, in the pathway that you're on down here, you can go to the Word of God and He'll illuminate your path. He'll show you 
<clears throat> what you ought to do out there, some of the decisions maybe you need to make. You're not sure which decision you should make. And the Lord, will he'll speak to you through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and guide you and direct you. But for us to be courageous in our Christian walk, we have to have the assurance of God's Word daily. Number three, our relationship to others. And I want to say that we need one another's encouragement. If you're going to have the courageous Christian walk, it's one reason it's so important to be faithful to the house of God because we need each other. And we need the encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, you have a lot of people that will say, you know, well, I don't, need, I don't have to come to church because I, I can worship the Lord out on the creek bank. And my dad usually, when somebody would say, say that, he would say, well, then why don't you? Because he said, I've now all these people that say I can worship God anywhere. He said, I never found any of them that wasn't going to church that wasn't worshiping him, that was worshiping him. They, they, they'd say that, but they really truly weren't. And, uh, you know, if you're not going to find time to worship God at his house with his people, you're probably not going to worship him out there on the creek bank either. Now, you can worship him on the creek bank, but if you're not going to worship him here, you're probably not going to worship him there either. You know, it's so important to have the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And aren't you glad that when you're going through a hard time, I mean, you get some news from the doctor that's, that's not encouraging. Aren't you glad you got some brothers and sisters in Christ that can pray with you? They can help share that burden. And I don't, I don't understand how people can make it that go through things like this uh, and they don't have the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. And boy, when I see people that, that uh, go through the valley of the shadow of death and death comes their way and they go through the loss of a loved one, man, if they don't have the Lord, I don't see how they can go on. I, uh, for a few years, I worked for a funeral home and as a business office manager, but uh, funeral homes, usually they're not that big of an operation, and so you get to do a little, a little bit of everything. <clears throat> so, of course, I worked a lot of funerals uh, with them, and I always noticed those families that you could tell did not have the Lord present in their homes and in their lives. It was always so hard because there was real, they, didn't have a, they didn't have the hope that we had. And it was so much easier and better to conduct those services for people that knew the Lord and families that trusted the Lord because, yes, they were, they were weeping, and yes, they were sad. Yes, they were missing their loved ones, but yet they still had a glimmer of hope because they knew that the day's coming one of these days when our saved loved ones, we're going to see them again one of these days. All that, that relationship we get from one another serving the Lord together in the body of Christ. I mean, part of our responsibility to one another in the local church is to exhort or encourage each other. So be the kind of Christian that you can be encouraged when you need encouragement by your brothers and sisters in Christ, but also be that kind of Christian that you will encourage others when they're in need of encouragement in their, in their hearts and in their lives. Number two, the facilitation of the courageous Christian walk. The facilitation of the courageous Christian walk. The word facilitate means to make something work better. I can give you two simple words that will make your Christian walk better and more courageous as you try to live the Christian life. Those two words are trust and obey. When you've got the proper foundation, that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you must begin to build upon that relationship. And you'll, the more you build upon that relationship with Christ, the more confident, the more courageous you'll be in your Christian walk. And the very beginning of that is trust and obey. You see, the courageous Christian walk is one 
that you're going to have to trust God. There's just going to be some things in life you're not going to understand. There's going to be some things God asks you to do that you're not going to understand why. God's going to send some things your way that you're not going to understand why He did that, why He allowed those things. And if you're going to walk as a courageous Christian, you're just going to have to learn to trust God, that God knows what He's doing. Trust God that, Lord God, if you're allowing this to come into my path and you love me enough that you laid your life down on the cross of Calvary for me, if you've allowed this to come into my life, then I have to trust you just to be God, that there's some reason you've allowed this and that you're going to bring some honor and you're going to bring some glory from it. I mean, trust, and then number two, obey. You have to obey. I mean, you have to learn that if God says do it, just do it. That was the, the old... Nike saying would just do it. And that's what we need to do when it comes to our Christian walk. If God tells us to do it, just do it. Remember the old story about Uncle Bud Robinson. Uncle Bud Robinson was a country preacher way back before my time. Uncle Bud Robinson, matter of fact, he, a lot of times in the beginning he rode horses. He had to ride a horse to his revivals many times before they had cars. And uh, Uncle Bud Robinson talked with a lisp. But man, he was a great preacher. And uh, <clears throat> he was at a revival one time, preaching a revival at a church. And he was standing at the back after the service, and a lady came up to him, and she said, Preacher said, uh, you know, said my husband passed away just a few years ago. And said he was a businessman, had a lot of nice clothes. And said, uh, if you could try to come by my house tomorrow, said God told me to give you my husband's suits, and he got some, a lot of nice suits, and God told me to give you uh, his suits and it's so that you can have them and use them. And uh, she said, won't you come by tomorrow? I said, I'll be home all day. Just come by tomorrow, and you can try them on and see if they fit. Uncle Bud Robinson, he looked back at her, and he said, Lady, he said, did God tell you to give me them suits? She said, absolutely, God told me. He said, well, he said, there ain't no sense in me coming trying them on. Said, God knows my thighs. And what he was saying was, if you believe God told you to do that, then you just trust God and know that God, God, God knows. Just do it. Then we need to stay fit spiritually. We need to stay fit spiritually. It's important to stay fit physically, too. And uh, last time I was here, I believe it was, I, I told you all I was, uh, I'm trying to lose weight. and I, uh, I've lost a little bit. And I finally had a, I finally had a lady... Or Tahlequah told me the other night, she said, man, how much weight have you lost? And I said, not near as much as you, you probably maybe going to think I do. But uh, she said, uh, she like, I said, I've only lost about nine pounds. And she said, well, I can see it in your face. And I said, well, I'm trying to lose it in my stomach. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I did go to my, get my checkup uh, this past week. It was time for my six-month checkup. And my, my A1C dropped 0.1. It was 6.1. It dropped to 6.0. So I'm at least heading in the right direction. So I'm, I'm still pre-diabetic, but I'm uh, I'm not getting closer to being diabetic, and so uh, so uh, I've just got to work a little harder. But uh, it is important to stay physically fit. Nothing wrong with that. I think we ought to try to be uh, better. And I'm not I'm not proud of the fact that I'm I'm overweight and I'm not in as good a shape as I should be. I want to do better. But man, we ought to more even more important than our physical fitness. We ought to look at our spiritual fitness. <clears throat> you know. If I'm going to really do what I need to do physically to get in better shape, I'm going to have to work. It's going to be hard. Man, I, it's hard. to. Part of this program I'm on, they want us to get 150 minutes. 
They want to get 150 minutes of activity or exercise a week. And, she, and what they call moderate exercise. And that she said that moderate exercise is when you, you, can't, you can't very well carry on a conversation and you can't have enough breath or whatever to sing. And I was like, man, there's a bunch of people must be getting uh, a lot of activity at church. I've heard some people, I've stood next to some people, they ain't no way they can sing. And uh, they didn't seem like they was moving, but they still couldn't sing. But no, I, uh, she said, if you're, if you're getting kind of out of breath, you can't sing, that that's moderate. And uh, man, it's, if I'm, if, if I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do with that program, it, it, it requires work. And sometimes I don't want to do it. I mean, I, I've been trying to walk at work and... Uh, Cause I'm, I, that way, I, I don't have any excuse that way. Cause I, I, when I get home, I got things to do. Well, I say, well, I've already got my walking in, and uh, I did it at lunch. Cause I'm, I can do it on my lunch hour, and I can get about two or three miles in, uh, in at, at my lunchtime. And uh, man, I, sometimes I don't, I don't want to. And I, man, I'll say, man, I'll try to think, what else can I do during my lunch? But then I get convicted about it. I say, man, I better, better go ahead and do it. Do it anyhow, cause I'm gonna have to report next week how many how many minutes I had and how much my weight is and. And, uh, man, I'm embarrassed to have to go back and uh, to email her and tell her, well, I gained a pound this week. So I've, I try, to, I try to, to do better every week and get a little bit better. But, you know, there's some things about exercise. I've, I've come across these things the other day. So these are some observations about exercise. It says it's well documented that for every minute you exercise, you add one minute to your life. This enables you at 85 years old to spend an additional five months in a nursing home at $5,000 a month. <clears throat> so my grandmother started walking five miles a day when she was 60. She's now 97 years old. We don't know where she's at. So the only reason I would take up exercising is so that I could hear heavy breathing again. I joined a health club last year. Spent 400 bucks. Haven't lost a pound, but apparently you have to show up. I have to exercise early in the morning before my brain figures out what I'm doing. I like long walks, especially when they're taken by people who annoy me. Says I have flabby thighs, but fortunately my stomach covers them up. The advantage of exercising every day is that you die healthier. If you're going to try to do cross country, start with a small country. And then I don't exercise because it makes the ice jump right out of my glass of sweet tea. <clears throat> That's one of my struggles. I try not to drink sugary drinks during the day, but man, I, and I, I still have that sweet tea at night, and you, you, if you ain't had my sweet tea, I mean, it's sometimes we, we, we run out of pancake syrup. The kids will just say, well, get, a, get, a, get, a, get the sweet tea and bring it over here. We'll use it for syrup. But uh, that's, that's no lie. I did one time I noticed my wife and I was, was there all week by ourselves. And just, just between the two of us, we almost used a four-pound bag of sugar that week. And about the only thing we used it on was tea. I said, you realize between the two of us, we've had two pounds of sugar this week. Because uh, well, that's how much I've used making sweet tea, apparently. I said, we've got to stop this. <clears throat> this is some entries in a diary that was found by a woman that her husband had given her a birthday present. This was in her diary again. It says, for my 50th birthday this year, my husband, the dear man, purchased a week of personal training at the local health club for me. 
said, although I'm still in great shape since playing on my high school softball team, I decided it'd be a good idea to go ahead and give it a try. So I called the club and I made my reservations with a personal trainer I'll call Bruce, who identified himself as a 26-year-old aerobics instructor and model for athletic clothing and swimwear. My husband seemed pleased with my enthusiasm to get started, and the club encouraged me to keep a diary to chart my progress, so this is it. On Monday, she put in the diary, started my day at 6 a.m., tough to get out of bed, but found it was well worth it. When I arrived at the health club to find Bruce waiting for me, he is something of a Greek god with blonde hair, dancing eyes, and a dazzling white smile. Bruce gave me a tour and showed me the machines. He took my pulse after five minutes on the treadmill, and he was alarmed that my pulse was so fast, but I attributed it to standing next to him in his handsome aerobic outfit. I enjoyed watching the skillful way in which he conducted his aerobics class after my workout today. Very inspiring. Bruce was encouraging as I did my sit-ups, although my gut was already aching from holding it in the whole time he was around. This is going to be a fantastic week. And then on Tuesday... I drank a whole pot of coffee, but finally made it out the door. Bruce made me lie on my back and push a heavy iron bar into the air, and then he put weights on it. My legs were a little wobbly on the treadmill, but I made the full mile. Bruce's rewarding smile made it worthwhile. I feel great. It's a whole new life for me. Now on Wednesday, the only way I can brush my teeth is by laying the toothbrush on the counter and moving my mouth back and forth over it. I believe I have a hernia that runs from my neck to my hips. Driving was okay as long as I didn't try to stare or stop. I parked on top of a Prius in the parking lot. Bruce was very impatient with me, insisting that my screams bothered other club members. His voice is just a little too perky for me early in the morning when he scolds me. He gets this real nasally whine that's very annoying. Said, my chest hurt when I got on the treadmill, so Bruce put me on the stair monster. Said, why would anybody invent a machine to simulate an activity that's rendered obsolete by elevators? Bruce told me it would help to get in shape and enjoy life. He said some other stuff, too. On Thursday, Bruce was waiting for me with his vampire-like teeth exposed as his thin, cruel lips were pulled back in a full snarl. I couldn't help being a half hour late. It took me that long to tie my shoes. Bruce took me to work out with dumbbells. and When he was not looking, I went and hid in the men's room. He sent Lars to find me, and as punishment, he put me on the rowing machine, which I sank. Now Friday. I hate that creek Bruce more than any human being has ever hated another human being in the history of the world said there was no part of my body I could move without unbearable pain. said, Bruce wanted me to work on my triceps. I don't have triceps. And said, if you don't want dents in the floor, don't hand me anything that weighs more than a sandwich. The treadmill flung me off, and I landed on a health and nutrition teacher. said, why couldn't it have been someone softer like the drama coach or the choir director? And then on Saturday, Bruce left a message on my voicemail in his grating, shrilly voice, wondering why I did not show up today. Just hearing him made me want to smash the phone with a hammer. However, I lacked the strength to even use the TV remote, so I just ended up catching 11 straight hours of the Weather Channel. And then Sunday, I'm having the church van pick me up for services today so I can go and thank God that this week is over. 
I'll also pray that next year my husband will choose a gift for me that's fun, something like a root canal, a mammogram, or a pelvic exam. Well, it takes a lot of work to be physically fit. I'll tell you what, it's, it's going to take a lot of work if you're going to be spiritually fit too. The devil's going to always find something to come up and keep you from getting into the Word of God. The devil's going to try to get you distracted. And if you ever have trouble going to sleep, get up and try to read your Bible a little bit or start praying because the devil will see to it that you get sleepy. And my dad used to always say that, uh, if you'll notice, it, he said, you, if you start trying to read your Bible, said the phone will ring or something, something will happen every time to try to get you distracted where you won't get in the Word of God. I mean, it's gonna, you're going to have to put some exercise, put some work into your spiritual well-being. I mean, if you're going to, I'm finding this out, of course, in, in, in my trek to try to get uh, healthier, that you've got to exercise, but you also got to eat right. I mean, I, uh, I, can, I can blow things real easily by just uh, not caring one day and not paying attention to what I'm eating. Man, I can mess up a whole week's worth of progress real quick. And you know, you've got to watch what you eat when it comes to your spiritual life. Make sure you take in some of the Word of God. This is what you need right here. This is going to help you. This is going to help you. We, I mean, we have to get enough rest, learning to rest upon the Lord. I mean, your spiritual life, there's going to be times when you just need to rest upon Him. And uh, the New Testament word exercise means to train. It's like as, as if you're training for some games, like in the Olympics or something like that. It also means to do something over and over. In weight training, they refer to it as reps or repetitive action. You know what I found? It's, it's not going to necessarily yield immediate results. And uh, there's been times, even in the last 10, 15 years, when I've been in a lot better shape than I am now. And I, uh, I mean, I, I was going to the gym a lot, and, and uh, I was working out with weights and, and stuff. And I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, it, it didn't, I, mean, it, I, didn't, I didn't go twice to the gym and get and look at the mirror and say, man, look at that. No, it, it takes a long time. I mean, you can tell us a more about that. He knows what he's talking about. But, uh, you know, same way with your, with your spiritual well-being, your spiritual walk. I mean, it's going to take time in the Word of God and exercising your faith and taking in the Word of God into your life. I mean, don't be discouraged. I mean, there's going to be, there's going to be times, sure, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. I mean, if, if you mess up tomorrow, then say, uh, next week I'm going to see if I can go two days without messing up. And if you mess up uh, the, the second day, then say, well, I'm going to see if I can just, I can go one day then next, next week and do better. And whatever you got to do uh, to just uh, stay in the Word of God and let the Word of God train you and, uh, and produce some spiritual muscle in your life. You know, over time, though, those muscles are strengthened and they're toned for future use. And um, I've noticed even just the, the different jobs that I've had, the different uh, things that I've done in my life, uh, different things have affected me in different ways. And I, I, uh, right out of high school, I went to work for Southwestern Bell Telephone Company. And, man, I, uh, I was in the office most of that time, but there's you know, a couple of years I spent outside. And, man, when I was climbing poles, man, I noticed my leg muscles were, were, they were, they were good because I was climbing in poles. And, man, when I first started out, they, you, had to, you had to climb with hooks. You had to climb with hooks. And when I went to pole climbing school, you had, it, it was only a week. 
in Oklahoma City is that week, and by the end of the week, you had to be able to climb up and get your feet above 15 feet up. And I know 15 feet don't sound that high. But, man, when you're, when you're hanging on a pole by just some hooks stuck in, the, in that wood, it's a, uh, it's a long ways up there. And uh, you had to test out at 15 feet by the end of the week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my muscles weren't – I could get up there, but it was, it was hard uh, because my muscles, even after a week, they weren't really used to that. When I first started climbing, there was a time or two, I mean, I could get up the pole. But it come time to get down, you, uh, my legs just didn't have any strength left to do it. And I, my partner that I worked with, he had to go get the ladder off the truck and get me down with the ladder. But by the time I got done working that job, I mean, my leg muscles were built up good and strong. You know why? Because I used them. And uh, that's how it is in your Christian life. I mean, if you use your spiritual muscles, you let the Word of God speak to you and feed you, and then you exercise your faith, you're going to find some spiritual muscles. You're going to find yourself doing things spiritually that you used to not be able to do. Number three, the future of the courageous Christian walk. See, our ultimate destination is in heaven. I mean, certainly all who get to heaven will go there because of their faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible speaks of an account which we're going to give. It's referred to in the, in the Word of God as the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to be judged on how we lived our life as believers. Now, when we're, those of us who are saved, when we're at the judgment seat of Christ, He's not going to judge us to see whether or not we get to go to heaven or not. That's already assured. If, you're, if you've been saved and your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're going to go to heaven. That, that judgment that we're going to go to is going to be to look at the things we've done with our life and it's not a punishment judgment. It is going to be a judgment for rewards that we've earned because we've served God faithfully. You know, our goal ought to be to please God. My goal and your goal should be like the Apostle Paul's goal. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he said, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid out for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Wouldn't you like to come to the end of your road down here and be able to look back and say, you know, I wasn't perfect, but I kept the faith. I stayed true to the Lord. I served God as long as I was able. What do you want to hear the Lord say? Matthew twenty five twenty three says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Wouldn't it be nice one of these days to be able to stand before the Lord and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What do you think he would say if you were to stand before him right now? If he looked at your life right now, would he be able to say, well done? If you don't think that he would, you still got time to make it better. He's a God of second chances. You see, to have a courageous Christian walk, it may not be easy. But I can tell you one day it's going to be worth it all. You're going to be thankful one of these days when you stand before the Lord and you've been faithful to him. You stayed in the Word and did your best to study the Word of God and be a stronger Christian. I mean, it all comes down to choices that you and I make. 
I preached a message one year. I don't remember what. I don't remember which which New Year's it was, but I preached a message at New Year's uh, in my church in Colorado when I was pastoring up there one year. And I just I just went down through a lot of things that that we could try to do better in the next year. And you know, and I said, how you know how, this this coming? We're starting a brand new year, and you know, if you'll read your word, the Word of God, you're going to be stronger. And I just went through a bunch, just a list of things that we should try to to strive to do as a Christian. And then the, the following year on that, the first Sunday of that next new year, I just preached the same message again, and I just added to every point. I just added, what did I tell you? Because I told you a year ago, if you'd read your Bible, you'll be stronger. This, a year from now, you're going to be a stronger Christian. If you'll be faithful to the house of God, you're going to be blessed for it. And I, looked, I, came, I gave that same message again and just looked back and said, what did I tell you? And, you know, if you will take this message today, and if you'll just let God use it in your life and, be, and leave here determined that you're going to stay in the Word of God more, you're going to pray more, you're going to be more faithful, you're going to just strive to be a stronger Christian and have a better Christian walk, I can guarantee you if you'll do the things that we've talked about today, there's going to be a day coming in the future you'll look back to today and say, you know, Brother Mike said if I'd do that, I'd be stronger. Brother Mike said, if I would do these things, I could have a more courageous Christian walk. And I've done those things. And he was right. But if you leave here today and you don't put them into practice, there also may come a day in the future where you're going to look back and say, you know, man, I'm facing some things now that well, I sure, could, sure wish I was, going to be, I was a stronger Christian. I, I could sure handle these things a lot better if I was a stronger Christian. And Brother Mike said, if I do those things, I could be stronger, but I didn't listen. It's going to be a decision, a choice that you're going to make. Going back to my own health, I, it, it's decisions that I make. I can't blame anybody. I can't blame anybody for being overweight. I can't blame anybody for not, for not getting any more exercise than I do. It's my, it's my choices. I'm the one that's responsible for those choices that I've made. And you know what? You're going to be the one that's responsible for those choices you make in your spiritual life. See, we get to choose whether our Christian walk is going to be courageous or whether it's just going to be mediocre. The Lord told the church at Laodicea that he wished that they were either hot or cold, but because they were lukewarm, he was going to spew them out of, out of his mouth. See, the Lord wants us to be Christians that are on fire for him. This morning, can you look back at your life and say, my, my walk as a child of God, as a Christian, my walk is a courageous walk. If it's not, it can be. Let's all stand this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, Brother Bob's going to come lead us in a verse of invitation. <clears throat> going back to the beginning of our message this morning, there might be somebody here this morning that the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and said, you know, You've been trying to live that courageous Christian walk. But you didn't begin it right. You don't have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're going to continue to be disappointed as you try to live that Christian life, but you're trying to do it without the Savior. This morning, nothing would thrill us anymore than for you to walk down this aisle 
and truly place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and begin that relationship with Him. And maybe you're here this morning and you've, you know you've been saved, but you just haven't been really truly having that close walk with Him. Maybe you've got, just gotten into the habit of neglecting the Word of God or neglecting your prayer life or neglecting even some of the services of the Lord. You just want to be more faithful. Strive to be a more faithful Christian and exercise your faith even more so you'll grow in your faith and be a courageous Christian. Whatever it is that God's spoken to your heart, we're going to have a verse of invitation. You come if God's spoken to you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of sharing your word this morning. Lord, I pray that something we've said today has spoken to the hearts of the people, Lord. And I pray that if there be anybody here this morning under the sound of my voice that's not saved, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would convict them right now draw them to repentance and they'll come forward and receive you as Lord and Savior. These things we ask in your name. Amen. You come this morning if God spoke into your heart. Brother Bob, sing with us. He's all I need.